0: Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Jennifer Roth. You might wonder why I have a Python on the stage with me. Well, somebody said it looked like it's not actually a Python, it's my vacuum cleaner. So, uh, a few years ago, we bought a house that had one of those built-in vacuum systems where you just have the, the little outlet on the wall, and you lift the flap, and you plug this in, right? And then, when you, after it's plugged in, it works like any other vacuum cleaner. You pull it out, and you flip the switch, and you get the vroom like a vacuum cleaner, and the which is what it's supposed to do, right? The suction to clean, and it works. Well, there were two um, outlets in our house—one on this end of the living room and one down at that end of the living room—and about a year or so ago, the outlet down here stopped working. You'd plug it in the wall, and you'd flip the switch, and there was no vroom, and no, and it didn't clean anything. And um, this was very frustrating to me, because uh, if there was a spill in the pantry of oatmeal, I couldn't clean it up, and just the regular getting the carpet clean wasn't working, and somebody broke a plate on the tile floor, there's glass everywhere, and I can't clean it up, or, heaven forbid... There's a big, black, hairy spider in my bedroom right above the bed, and friends, here's the deal. Some of you might think those are for smashing. They are not. And some of you might think that they are for nicely catching and releasing. I'm sorry if this is offensive, but they are not. (laughs) They are for the vacuum, and as a matter of fact, this thing has a nice, long extension for when you need to get spiders so you can stay a long ways away, right? And none of that was working. What was interesting was the outlet on the other side of the living room was working. So if you plugged in over there, it worked fine. But if you plugged in over here, it wasn't working. So it was really clear that the outlet over here was broken. So we did everything we knew how. My husband checked the wiring. The the plate was cracked. So we changed the plate just to see if that would make it work. And nothing would make it work. So we finally called the vacuum repair specialist. He came out, he looked at the whole system, and I'm like, don't really need to look everywhere, it's just this one that's not working. And he's like, no, I need to check out the whole system. And he comes back with his diagnosis, and his diagnosis is that this outlet is broken. And I'm like, no, that outlet doesn't work. Plug it in, no vroom, no, doesn't work, this one works. And he says, no, the problem is the, um, the little cover, the flap on this one has lost its seal you'll notice that the spring is gone and it just flaps around loosely and so because it doesn't seal down, when you're plugged in over there, there's no suction in the system. When you plug in over here, that flap isn't broken and so the system works. So what do you do when the problem that you can clearly see, you can define, you can name. The reason my house can't get clean is because this doesn't work. It has nothing to do with me and my abilities as a house cleaner. No, the reason this doesn't work, we can see the problem, we can name it, we know it. We... What do you do when the problem isn't the problem? We needed someone from outside who knew the system to come in and say, your problem's actually over there and fix the little spring over there and now we have a vacuum system that has power again. But what about in our own lives when there are things that are derailing our life? They're derailing our peace. They're derailing our ability to live the way God wants us to do. We can see the problem. We can name the problem. Maybe it's an addiction. And it's clear that this is the thing that is breaking us, that is breaking our home and breaking our family because as much as I want to, I have not been able to change my behavior. Or maybe it's a conflict and we've been in this conflict and we haven't been able to get any way forward and we can see the conflict and we can name the conflict. The problem is them, (laughs) but we're not seeing any change. What about those times when we can see the problem and we can name the problem, but the problem isn't the problem. It's actually a symptom of something in the system that isn't working right. It's a symptom of a deeper problem. And some of us have done the work, perhaps with a therapist or through Life Path or just in awareness that we know that there are times in life when the presenting problem is a symptom of something deeper. I know that when I binge on Netflix, it is a symptom of the fact that I have no margin in my life and I have not been taking the time to rest and I have not been taking care of myself. And so it comes out in this massive binge because we have to stop at some point. Think about the thing in your life that you can name the problem, you can see the problem, but you are aware that it's actually a symptom of something deeper. Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the Romans, talked about this. It's in Romans chapter 7. If you want to follow along with me, I'm going to be reading starting on page 940 of the Bible that's in your pew in front of you. If you're familiar at all with Romans chapter 7, you know that we're in for a tongue twister, so stick with me. But he talks about this issue of these places where we're stuck, even though we know that there's power at work on our behalf, we can't get access to the power. So Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 18, and I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Our problem is sin. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Friends, this is the Apostle Paul. He encountered the living Christ on the road to Damascus. He radically changed his life and became a follower of Jesus to the point of the threat of death, and eventually his own death, and he spent his entire life traveling the world to tell people about the good news of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in their life. And he is the one who says, what a miserable person I am. Who will save me from this body of sin and death? It was already true of him that he was a new creation by believing in Jesus. The old had gone, the new had come, and yet he still struggled with his sin nature and with the things he didn't wanna do and what he wanted to do and what he didn't wanna do. And in our own lives, that can look like the days when we wanna just get the carpet clean. It's the day-to-day life that we do as human beings and we find that we are not able to do it in a way that reflects the nature and the character of God. Or maybe it's the spilled oatmeal. Nobody was being malicious, it was an accident, but it created a challenge in your life that needs to be worked through and cleaned up. Maybe you spilled the oatmeal and you're the source of the challenge and you know that, but you you go for the vacuum and there's no power. There's no access and, and you try on your own to clean this up and clear this up and it just isn't working. Or maybe it's the broken plate. Something broke in your your life and there's been a deep loss and there's shards of glass all around you on the floor and everywhere you look is the potential of pain and the real pain and you need the vacuum to work, but you're finding that you're stuck in your grief or your loss or your fear or your pain and as much as you try, it's not changing. Maybe it's the big black spider on the wall and it's looming over you with fear, with anxiety, and you can't get to it, what do we do when we know the problem isn't the problem, but all we can try is to get out our screwdriver and try changing the wires and changing the faceplate and doing everything we know how, how do we access the true problem, the true need? What is it? What is the key to the seal on this outlet that is the thing that we need to see true change in these places where, like Paul, we would say, What a miserable person I am. I'd be surprised if I'm the only one in this room that can relate to Paul in this place of feeling that even as a Christ follower, I have these times when I I am just so aware of my inability to do what I know is right. The Bible is full of lists. It's got the 10 commandments telling us the behaviors to do and not do. It's got the Beatitudes telling us the character of our heart that reflects the value of God's kingdom. It's got things like the fruit of the spirit or Ephesians 4 where it says completely humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another in love, These, these attitudes and actions that help our relationships be in healthy places. It's full of these lists and things that we know we're supposed to do and believe and follow as we reflect the righteousness of Christ and yet what do we do? How do we access the true problem when like Paul, we say who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? We read on in chapter seven verse 25, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind, I really want to obey God's law but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I want to pause there for just a minute. There's this does not compute in my human mind when I think about the problems in my life, the practical, physical struggles, the health issues, the emotional issues, my own sin issues, and I can see it, I can name it, I know what it is, and somebody says to me, well, Jennifer, the answer is Jesus. How is Jesus the answer to the physical practical problem that I'm having today that I can't see way forward in? It's kind of like the Sunday school students, right? In Sunday school, the answer is always Jesus. The teacher asks a question, it's Jesus. There was a Sunday school class a while back, and the uh, teacher was doing kind of a guessing game with the kids, and she said, okay, can you you tell me what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of this thing that has four legs and gray fur and a big bushy tail, and she gets all these blank stares from the kids, and she says, okay, well, it collects nuts and gathers them in the fall and, and keeps them for the winter, and sometimes you see it in the park and blank stares, and finally, a little boy says, well, teacher it really sounds like a squirrel, but I know the answer has to be Jesus. (laughs) And although we laughed, the little boy had something to it. I know it looks like I need to change my behavior or change my attitude or be more patient or do this or that the other thing, but the answer really is Jesus. How is it that Jesus can change the way we live and think and relate to others? Well, let's read on here in Romans chapter 8. It says, Because you belong to him, Jesus, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. This outlet is influenced by the power of sin that leads to death. And the reason that none of our efforts work is because it's only by the sacrifice of Jesus that we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit, who is the one who sets us free. The fix that we need to this outlet over here is that we need to plug into the power of the living spirit in our lives. The life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. The problem is that the law, all the lists in the Bible, all the things that we're supposed to do, all the attitudes that we're supposed to have, none of them are accessible to us unless we have the power of the Spirit living in us. Our effort, can only get us so far. And our effort will never create lasting change. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to create lasting change in our life. Here's the truth in my home and the truth in our lives. We need both outlets to work. We need to be able to clean the carpet and clean up the oatmeal and clean up the broken shards and get rid of the spiders in our lives. But all of our effort, all of our self-talk, all of our beating ourselves up, all of our trying harder will avail to nothing if we are not doing it with the power of the Holy Spirit living in our lives, actively showing us what is the way that we need to go. We need both of these to work. This isn't a sermon saying, you need the Holy Spirit, so quit trying to live a righteous life. This is a sermon saying that the only way that our efforts to live a righteous life will work is if they are empowered by the Spirit of the living God. So I have a few questions to ask us this morning. The first one is this. Where do you turn when you have a problem? You're in your home, your place of work, your school, a relationship, and and you have a problem. You can see it, you can name it. Some of you are thinking of it right now. Where do you turn for help with that problem? Do you turn to yourself? I can just power down and make it work. If it's a behavior issue, I'm just not gonna do it again. If it's an attitude issue, I'm gonna make a checklist and I'm gonna try every day and at the end of every night, I'm gonna check and see if I was more patient today or if I was more humble today. What do you, where do you turn when you have a problem? Do you turn to your friends or your family? Do you turn to yourself? Do you turn to a pastor or a leader or a mentor, a counselor, a medical professor? professor? Can I say this? Professional, that was the name, word I was trying for, medical professional. All of those things, I believe, are part of God's toolbox for us. When we are doing this life, he calls us to do life in community. It is wisdom to talk with our friends or our family or a mentor or a leader. It is wisdom to see a counselor. If you're bumping into something that you just continue to be stuck, somebody who can help you unpack what is the problem that is the deeper problem of the symptom that's showing in your life. All of those are healthy But without the power of God, they can do nothing. Read with me what it says in John 15, five. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing apart from the power of Jesus in our life, we can do nothing. And all of that great toolbox will not produce lasting change unless it is empowered by the saving work of Jesus. And so my follow-up question I would ask is, are you sealed with the Spirit? Do you remember the, the vacuum cleaner repair specialist said, the seal is broken here. And I would say, are you sealed with the spirit? It's kind of an old term, but it comes from this verse in Ephesians. We're gonna put it up on the screen and read it together. It says this, when you believed in Christ, let's pause there for just a minute. The message of the gospel is that you and I sinners. Because of the brokenness of the world, because of the brokenness in our own hearts, we have actions that do not line up with God's moral standard. We have attitudes that do not line up with his call in our life, and we have character parts of our heart that do not reflect his glory. All of us have sinned. And so, because God created us for relationship with him, and our sin separates us from him, he sent his son. That's what we read about in Romans 8. He sent Jesus to live here on earth, and Jesus lived with no sin. Therefore, when he made the choice to willingly die on the cross, his death on the cross paid not only for the sins of those in that time and place, but for our sins for all eternity. That's the good news of Christ that we are sinners, but his death purchases back our right to be in relationship with God, our ability to be in his family, the forgiveness for our sins, to live as cleansed and holy people and to grow in our righteousness in our reflection of him. That's the good news of Christ. That's the gospel. And so when this says, when you believed in Christ, that's what the author is talking about. When you believed that his forgiveness was enough for your sin and you said, I believe and I will follow this God, That is the belief that he says, and when that happened, he identified you as his own. In a different version of the translations, it says, marked in him with a seal by giving you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the seal that marks us as belonging to God because we believe in him, right? And then this Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago, the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. So if you are here today and you've been investigating the faith or maybe you're here today and you don't know how you ended up here or why you're here, this is the gospel, this is the if then. If we believe in who Jesus says he is and who we say he says we are, then we are marked with the Holy Spirit and we are empowered for the life that he gives us. But if we have not made that choice, if we have not said, I believe in Jesus, I ask for forgiveness and I'm going to make him Lord of my life, you are not sealed with the Spirit. You do not have the power of this Spirit living in you and empowering you for the healing and the wholeness and the righteousness that he calls us to and it's just that simple. Simple and yet not simple. And there are some of you who may be here and you're like, I'm not sure I believe that. I'm not sure I'm ready to make that decision. I'm exploring, I'm asking questions. Some of you maybe have made that decision and you do believe that and yet you still find, like Paul, that there are things in your life that just don't go the way that you expected them to go. You've got doubts and questions. I wanna point us to one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's found in Mark chapter nine. It's a father who has a son who has been um, hampered by an evil spirit for all of his life. And this father is living in the time of Jesus and he's hearing about the miracles of Jesus. He's been hearing about the people who have been healed and hearing of the people who've been delivered from demonic spirits and there are crowds gathering and this one day he gets up all of his courage and he takes his son to Jesus. I wonder how many times he had taken his son somewhere to try something only to have it fail and not work. I wonder how much doubt and question was in his heart as he came to Jesus, but also hope. Could this man who has done miracles for others do miracles for us? And so he tells Jesus, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. I feel like that if you can reflects our hearts, doesn't it? If you've been exploring the faith and you just don't know for sure if God can save you, If God can, clean up the mess in your life. If God can, heal the hurt in your heart. If God can, if he's real, if it's true. If, if, if. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. And one of my favorite lines, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And the reason I love this verse is because it's my life. You sense me getting emotional about it because it's my truth. I do believe in Jesus. I believe that God is the creator of this world, that he sent his son and that his son saves my sin and I have I have cashed in all my chips on that truth. I'm a professional Christian for goodness sake. This is what I do. I believe in Jesus and yet I struggle and I wrestle and I sin and I suffer and I have questions and I have doubts and I say, help my unbelief. Both of these things are true in my life and both of these things can be true in your life. And so I invite you, if you're not sure that you are sealed with the spirit to perhaps use the prayer of this father, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I believe that's a prayer that God is not offended by. He is not worried or scared of our fears and our doubts and our confusion. And I believe it's a prayer He will answer. Where do you turn when you have a problem? And are you confident that you are sealed with the Spirit? And then I would ask us, so how can we lean into Holy Spirit power? How can we lean into, how can we plug in to the right socket with the seal affixed so that the system works? On one hand, this question is too big to answer in the next three minutes. It's probably its own sermon series, but I do want to give you a couple things. One is, we can lean into the power of the Holy Spirit by becoming students of His Word. This is what God left us, along with His presence, to know Him. And if we don't know the promises that He's given us, how do we know to ask for that? It promises us that the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. How do we plug into that promise? By saying, God, would you show me where I'm not living according to your ways? It promises us that he will be our comforter. How do we plug into that promise? By saying, God, I'm hurting, would you comfort me? My loved one is hurting, would you come and comfort them? We plug into, we lean into the power of Holy Spirit by knowing what it is that he promises. And then it may seem so oversimplistic, but we can't get any power if we're not plugged into the power source. Sometimes we're like those who Jesus said, you have not because you ask not We lean into the power of the Holy Spirit by praying, by plugging it in and saying, I know that I need your power for this thing that I am facing. We pray and we ask and we commit our ways to God. I've been discovering something recently about myself that's been a blind spot in my life. I'm finding that I feel like I have to know what to pray in order for God to answer my prayers. In other words, I have to be able to tell God what to do so he can fix me. (laughs) So I'm praying, but I'm actually still over here tinkering with this outlet, trying to get it to work on my own strength. If I can just figure out the right thing to pray, then God can do the thing that I need in my life. I've been changing my prayer life lately, so when I get stuck in that spiral of that doubt and that confusion, and I'm stuck with my sin or my sorrow or my pain, I pause and I say, Jesus, I invite you in. I'm gonna plug into the outlet over here and I'm gonna let you acknowledge what's going on. I'm gonna let you come in and diagnose what's going on in this system. Because here's the thing, in whatever my situation is, in whatever your situation is, there is no facet of it that Jesus doesn't already see and understand. There is no layer of your sin, your habits, your attitudes, your broken relationships, your struggling marriage, your children and your parenting. There's no layer of that that God can't see. Even the things that I am blind to that I can't understand, He can see. And so when I pause and I go, Jesus, I'm stopping the spin cycle. I'm looking to him, I'm acknowledging my belief and I'm saying, I invite you in. I invite you into all that this is and all that it might become because you alone know what needs to happen for this to change course, for true transformation to happen. God, I invite you in. Holy Spirit, I invite you in. Jesus, I invite you in. We lean into the power of the Spirit by knowing his word by knowing his written word and the living word, Jesus, and by listening for the word of his voice in the spirit in the still small, the way that he speaks to us. His spirit speaks to our spirit. We can lean in in practical ways uh, with... Next week we're celebrating Pentecost. We've got the Pentecost prayer path. Sometimes you hear us talking about the recognizing God's voice seminar. Those are all ways to lean in to being a body of believers who expect Holy Spirit to speak and to help and to empower us for the righteous living that God asks of us. Maybe some of you might even want to take Romans 7:14 through 8:14 what we've been reading this week and just read it a few times through this week. I often pray scriptures. I've been doing that with Psalm 23 for about the last month. I'll walk and I'll talk with God and I'll say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God, thank you that you are my shepherd, that you see all my comings and goings. He makes me lie down in green pastures. God, you know I'm not good at lying down in green pastures. I go through life about 100 miles an hour and I don't have much margin. Would you show me where you're inviting me to your rest and would you give me the courage to see you and to stop and to rest? and pray through, pray scriptures, engage with Holy Spirit. The vacuum cleaner is a great analogy for our point, but there's one I'd like to end with, a story that I'd like to tell you that hits a little bit closer to home, where the problem isn't really the problem. So our daughter Abigail is 12 years old, many of you have known her her whole life and you remember some of this story, but when she was born she had many medical issues. One of those was that her head um, was always at a 45 degree angle. I've got a couple pictures up here for those of you who haven't known us that long to see what it was like. My darling little girl, first of all, the helmet was purely cosmetic. Uh, She was one of those babies who had a flat spot on her head, so this is a cranial band that helped her head to grow round. And, but the reason I'm showing you the pictures is so you can see this 45 degree angle that Abigail had for two and a half years. Um, This is how she did life. And so as we began to talk to doctors and look at what this was from, we were told it was a bone issue. She had held her head this way because of a bone issue, and so we began doing physical therapy and occupational therapy. I drove to Portland once a week for her therapy, other times during the week for the cranial band, other times for her brace, which you can see in the next pictures. The physical therapy and the occupational therapy, what we were practicing at home was putting a brace on her neck that would force her head up straight. We stretched her head. I had to stretch at her neck like three times a day. We'd stretch, and we'd hold for 15, and then we'd release, and when we did put the brace on and her head went up straight, her eyes went double because she was so used to doing life at her 45-degree angle, so that's the just adorable pink glasses that you see. And this this balancing on the couch and playing with some toys on the table, all of that was physical therapy. We did it for half hour, an hour a day, just trying to get her brain some upright input, her eyes some upright input, all of that because of this bone issue in her neck. Until she was about two and a half, and I went and got a second opinion, and the doctor said, I don't think this is a bone issue, I think this is an eye issue. And so... Won't tell you the whole long story, but she had eye surgery when she was about two and three quarters. She was almost three. Here's a picture of she and her dad on the day that she had eye surgery, holding her cute little ice pack on that eye with her chicken nuggets. We were laughing when we saw the picture. Chicken nuggets are still her favorite. (laughs) And within four days of eye surgery, she was holding her head straight up when we had been told she would never hold her head straight up for her entire life. We had been two and a half years, physical therapy, occupational therapy, braces, specialist, all of it for the bone problem. And it was an eye problem. Friends, will you and I keep trying by our self effort and our self will and all the things that we have in our toolkit to fix what we can see The problem was clear. Her head was at a 45 degree angle. We know our problem. We can see what it is. Are we going to continue to try to fix it ourselves or will we allow the surgeon of our soul to give the accurate diagnosis and to do what he needs to do at the layers and levels that only he can see so that we can walk in the fullness of life that he has promised us with the power of the Holy Spirit empowering us for healing and wholeness and righteousness and obedience to change and dramatically shift our marriages and our workplace, and our parenting, and our schooling, and our relationships, and our own self-stuff, will we quit trying by our own self-effort to fix ourselves and our situations, and will we recognize that the symptoms we are seeing have a different answer, and the answer is the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.